a Podcast One production. This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. Today we're talking about what you say, Keith, is the video of the year. Uh, Trump this week laughed at openly in the UN by every other nation, essentially, uh, and this has never, ever, ever happened before. So it leads us to the discussion, really. We're going to talk about this anyway. Trump in crisis. Yeah. But this just cemented it, surely. So Trump um, speaking at the UN General Assembly. So this is the the annual gathering, and you often get heads of government there uh, who come along. They're there for the day, uh, for the day on which they're allocated. Um, and so you turn up and you give a speech setting out your government's policy on particular issues. And so in, in Donald Trump's case, he began as though it were an election speech by saying, uh, my government has made more, pro- in effect, my government's made more progress in two years than any other administration. And you can actually hear a ripple of laughter in the General Assembly at that. Uh, and Trump is obviously floored because he realises that he's not getting applause for this. He's he's being ridiculed. As in this is something he would normally say to his domestic audience yeah. and get a huge, you know, thunderous applause at yep. a rally, but not with the UN. Not with the UN. And and although you've got a lot of visitors in that auditorium, people like President Macron of France who came on after Trump, um, most of the people there would be people who, although they're diplomats, are based in the United States. So they know day-to-day politics of the United States. and They know the trouble that Trump is in. And so for Trump to take this boastful approach resulted in what most... I, I cannot recall another occasion on which an American president has been laughed at. Um, so I guess for those who are supporting Trump, you, they'd say, oh, they're all damn foreigners and therefore they've got no taste. And for those, of course, who are critical of Trump, they would say there we are further evidence that under this president, the United States has had damaged prestige. Uh, the first thing I did when I saw this was get onto Fox News in America to see how they were going to spin it. And, of course, they spun it as in, well, they hate, Amer- they hate America. Yeah. You know, it, That's why we're isolationists. This is why Trump's policy is working, because the rest of the world doesn't look out for us. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? And it leads to our further discussion just about how... Well, I guess on the world stage, he is seen as quite dysfunctional. But in America, uh, there's an argument for that as well, isn't there, Keith? Well, it's interesting because we've had uh, in the New York Times uh, an an article written by a senior administration official who talks about Trump having misguided impulses and who is imperious, adversarial, petty and ineffective. And this anonymous official, it's very rare for the New York Times to publish a piece by an anonymous writer, but this um, uh, piece has appeared, in a sense, reassuring Americans that, okay, you've got this strange person as president, but you've got a lot of people in the White House that are trying to prevent him from doing damage. So this has added to the debate that's now going on within the United States um, about whether or not Trump should be impeached or whether, in fact, a little-known provision of the American Constitution, which is called the 25th Amendment, should be invoked. Indeed, the anonymous author of this article has claimed that there has been discussion about the use of the 25th Amendment. So I'll just spell out both techniques for getting rid of a president. So impeachment means that uh, the president, or anybody, but it's usually just applied to the American president, 
could go on trial. So the, the House of Representatives is charged with finding the evidence of high crimes and misdemeanours and treason and bribery. And then if, if in fact, they can find um, that there are such crimes being committed, then the president goes on trial in the Senate with the Chief Justice of the United States presiding over the trial. It's a really big event. There have only been three occasions when the United States has moved in this direction. So we had Andrew Johnson right after the American Civil War, so back in the 1860s, right? Um, No impeachments again until Richard Nixon in the 1970s over Watergate. Um, And in fact, Nixon resigned without going to trial in the Senate. He realised that he had lost a lot of support because of material that was coming to light, so he just resigned. So he never did strictly... Uh, get impeached in the sense that he was going to be put on trial in the Senate. Just the the preliminary stages only were done. And then, of course, most recently, we've had President Clinton, who did go on trial in the Senate uh, for certain offences relating to Monica Lewinsky, um, but he was found not guilty. So, in fact, back in the 1860s, Johnson, and then 20 years ago, President Clinton, in both cases, the prosecution failed to secure a conviction. And so both presidents served out the rest of their office, uh, term of office. So that's impeachment. And so almost as soon as as President Trump was elected, you had people saying, we must impeach him. So we've had a year and a half of people trying to find evidence of uh, Trump committing these high crimes, misdemeanors, treason or bribery. And this has led to the Robert Mueller inquiry being set up, uh, trying to find out if there was collusion between the Trump campaign and Putin in Russia. Did the Russians help? Was this a Russian interference? So this is subject really for a whole separate program, again, because the Mueller inquiry is not going to go anywhere. It's just going to continue. But at the moment, you'd have to say there is simply no smoking gun. So there's no evidence that there has been collusion. Okay, some of Trump's um, people are now going on trial, but as we speak today, they are going on trial for other offences. The risk that you run in American politics is that once you go into the spotlight of the legal profession, then all of your imperfections come to light. Now, you and I lead a blameless life, Kate. So Boring. Boring life. (laughs) But someone like Paul Manafort, who now has been rolled over, as the expression goes, uh, has flipped. That's the American expression. He's flipped. So he's now agreed to cooperate with Robert Mueller. See, Manafort has been found guilty um, in relation to matters completely unconnected with Trump. This is to do with his being a lobbyist, having overseas uh, bank accounts, not paying enough tax. Nothing to do with Trump. But because he's been caught up in this dragnet around Trump, this this guy's going to could spend the rest of his life in jail. He's he's facing about two hundred and thirty years in jail, <laughs> oh. unless he does a bit of plea bargaining with the Mueller investigation. So, as I say, no smoking gun yet. There's a lot of energy going into finding that smoking gun to link Trump with with Putin and Russia, but no evidence found yet. And, and just quickly, let's remind those who may not know um, Robert Mueller, if former FBI head? head head of FBI, seen as a very honest person. Um, And so he was appointed by a member of the Trump government to carry out this investigation. And so he's now still plodding away. He doesn't give media conferences. The only time you know he's up to something is when you see his name or his uh, 
a project appearing in the law lists and the, and you know there's another case. So completely different from the Trump team, Rudy Giuliani, the Trump lawyer, is appearing on the media all the time and I think just is, is serving the client badly. But uh, it's very different. Mueller is very professional, very tight-lipped. And then let's link this then to um, Trump's, uh, you know, seemingly revolving door of employees because there have been just, I can't, uh, is it dozens and dozens and dozens, <laughs> like upwards of 100 almost yeah. high-profile people that he's fired or to have just or left with their own accord, yep. yeah, or who have resigned since he's come to power. In fact, um, well, power, but, you know, yeah. uh, he thinks power. Um, but it, I think the New York Times as well did a huge article and they posted all the pay, all the. The yeah. photos of those who have left—it was extraordinary, and it was that was even back then in like the first twelve months. But Rosenstein, now there's a lot made of this chap, yep. Rosenstein. Ro- yeah, Rod Rosenstein. Yep. Yep, because but there is meant to be a big meeting about. I don't know, he's still being blamed for setting up the Mueller investigation, but he's one of Trump's men. He's, yes, he was appointed by Trump. Uh, he's a Republican. Yeah. Register, although he doesn't give donations to the Republican Party, he's a registered Republican. Uh, good links with the Bush administration. Um, and he is the one who's taken over this responsibility because the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, uh, because he was involved in talking to Russians during the crucial period, he has actually excused himself from the uh, investigation or recused is the language he prefers to use. So he's out of it. And so it's a deputy to the Attorney General, Rod Rosenstein, a Trump appointee. Remember when a president comes in, they appoint not only their own cabinet members, but thousands of public servants, senior civil servants, including all ambassadors. Remember, we still don't have an ambassador to Australia. Trump still hasn't got round to filling that vacancy. So uh, Rod Rosenstein, very well known within the legal profession, uh, almost was made a judge but failed at the last minute years ago over local politics in Maryland. Um, so he uh, became um, the, the point man on this. So he's employed Robert Mueller. One of the uh, issues that's come to light is whether or not Trump would dare sack him. Remember, this is what got Nixon into trouble. He was sacking special investigators as well at the time of Watergate. And this was part of the rebellion by the Republican Party against their own leader, Richard Nixon, which contributed to his resignation. So it's a, this is an issue that is you need to keep following because... Um, um, as I say, Mueller has not found anything worthwhile in terms of a smoking gun, but he's uncovered a huge number of irregularities of people who were associated with Trump, who are holding on to the Trump coattails, thinking they're going to do well out of being linked to Trump. And this uh, very sharp spotlight is revealing a lot of, shall we say, imperfections of their character, such as tax returns and bank accounts, etc., Right. So then, if we, you, in during that um, uh, synopsis, you mentioned Jeff Sessions. Now, this is quite extraordinary. But Trump, now he's the Attorney General. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff Sessions, and Trump can't stand this man, mm. and has tweeted openly about it and said, "I have no Attorney General," yeah. but won't sack him. What is the story behind this? The Attorney General's position is one of the most senior cabinet positions in the United States. You would need to be really desperate to sack your own Attorney General. Now, of course, Nixon did that. Uh, and that, of course, helped <laughs> contribute to his doom in August of 1974. Uh, 
And there is also another problem for Trump, which is, and it goes back to really the the Richard Nixon Watergate thing. Remember Watergate, you had a break-in at the Watergate apartment of the Democratic offices, along with a lot of other people who were living in that giant apartment complex. My own guess is that Nixon did not uh, say to his campaign team, break into the Democrat offices and find out what you what what's going on. I'm sure he didn't actually instigate the the uh, raid on the offices, but once it was uncovered, the following day, they made a number of really basic mistakes. These were CIA people, ex CIA people. A, a whole story in itself, I've got to say. In this, if you're into conspiracy theories, it's really interesting. G. Gordon Liddy was one of those people. Really bad raid. So there are a number of, uh, I, I give a talk on this each year and I go through all the things that go wrong. Not that I'm encouraging people to do better in burglary, but just to, <laughs> to identify the mistakes that people made. So they got caught. So the following morning, you get this response, of, you know, people are going to go on trial. They're linked back to the campaign to re-elect the president. Um, at that point, Nixon, we now think, gets involved. And so Nixon then interferes with the legal process. And that's the risk that Trump now runs. In other words, that Trump is interfering with the legal process. No one, no, he's not necessarily guilty of a substantive crime in itself, but he is now interfering by ru- carrying out running commentaries in tweets, for example, uh, about people really being good guys, they're really innocent, it's a terrible witch hunt, etc. Is he actually now interfering with the legal process? That is a crime. And that could get you into trouble. And as I say, it cost Nixon his job. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Sood. We're talking about the Trump administration being in crisis today. And uh, there are so many parts to this. Uh, and Keith, you have just very well versed on this particular topic. Tell me what your thoughts are now, because I know you have a very specific direction you want to go with That's right. Well, I think that, you know, uh, given an overview of the impeachment process, right, let me just say that if the Democrats do well in November and they do get people elected and they get control of the lower house, I doubt they'll get control of the Senate, but you never know. There's just so much anger out there. But then we will have an impeachment process that will begin in January because that's when the people will be sworn in. um, And that'll just paralyse the US government for a year, Right? I've lived through two impeachment processes. It, you know, the US government can only think of one thing at a time. So that's, that for me is, is a worry about the impeachment process. But what I want to do is to go back to that New York Times article. New York Times article um, said that, uh, in, as a, remember, it's written by an anonymous official within the uh, Trump government, and it contains this sentence, given the instability many witnessed, this is about Donald Trump, There were early whispers within the cabinet of invoking the 25th Amendment, which would start a complex process for removing the president. So this is a second track for removing a president. Never been used before. So the background to this is that um, in 1963, President Kennedy was shot and he, he died almost as soon as he was shot. But it did remind people about the problem of the transfer of power from an incapacitated president. And so the 25th Amendment to the American Constitution refers to what happens when the president or one, or a vice president gets sick or is incapacitated. Within the US government, 
most well-known example where we had an incapacitated president, um, in, at least in the 20th century, was Woodrow Wilson. So Woodrow Wilson was the leader in World War I, but he had a stroke uh, towards the end of his time in office. And so he was confined to his bed. And so for a year and a half, the US government was run by Mrs Wilson, who would receive requests from the cabinet, who would then take the requests into the president's bedroom and she would say, this is what my husband has decided and then come back and report. Uh, Now, they had no mechanism to put the vice president in charge of the country. And then in 1963, you get the tragedy of John Kennedy and people are saying, look, we've really got to sort this out. So there's an amendment to the Constitution. Remember, it's very difficult to amend the American Constitution, not as quite as difficult necessarily as the Australian one, but it's, it's certainly difficult to amend it. Hence why they still have guns. <laughs> yes, they still have the right to bear arms, absolutely embedded within the American DNA. So the 25th Amendment, and it's called the fourth section, deals with a president who is deemed unfit to govern. So if you have, which is the allegation now regarding Trump, a person with early onset dementia, this is the mechanism to get rid of him. So in other words, the vice president and a majority of the cabinet would then write to Congress saying, we believe the president is now unfit to govern. Therefore, he should be removed from office and the vice president automatically becomes president in his place. Remember, in the, in the US system, the president is like a king or a queen. Very, very different from the Australian system. The Westminster system, so it's a British system, the Canadians, New Zealanders, we have prime ministers. And so you have this sort of, um, you know, they come and go more regularly in Australia of late coming <laughs> and going. In the United States, you must always have the king in control or queen in control, right? If you think back to the United Kingdom, the queen, the current queen, became queen sitting up a tree in Kenya. That's right. Well, I saw the, the Crown series on oh, right. Netflix. Yep. So the late king died um, in his sleep and the queen was on a tour of East Africa. Well, the princess was. So she went up the tree as a princess and came down as the queen, right? In that split second, the power transfers. No messing around. The same thing in the, under the American Constitution. There has to be a continuity of governance, as, as you will find within the British system. Um, and so the problem is, what happens if you have an incapacitated president? And so the 25th Amendment and the fourth paragraph, fourth section, deals with this mechanism. So the vice president, who's currently Mike Pence, and a majority of the currently 23 members of cabinet would then write to Congress saying they think Trump is unfit to govern. Congress, as soon as it gets the letter, needs to be assembled immediately, right? That's a big job, bringing everybody into Washington, D.C. And it then requires a two-thirds vote of both houses to remove a president, so that's even more difficult than mm. two-thirds of the Senate for impeachment. You've got to get two-thirds of the lower house as well. Um, and also there's a risk that Trump could actually advise Congress that he thinks he is fit to government, in which case you've got a Congress would need to work out, is the vice president correct or the president? It's interesting, towards the end of Reagan's time in office, and Reagan did die with dementia, but towards the end of his time there were whispers that the president seemed to have dementia. Um Reagan got to hear about these whispers that they were going to use this 25th Amendment on him 
And so he gave a stellar performance in the Cabinet. And suddenly people said, oh, look, we can't use this 25th Amendment because clearly Reagan has now recovered. So, um, but it's very interesting that there is this debate allegedly going on in the White House. Remember, this is the anonymous article, New York Times, but the constitutional experts are now having to dust off their copies, well, like me, dust off copies of the Constitution and get their heads around this very little known alternative to impeachment for removing a president. So the next couple of months, obviously, very, very big for Trump uh, with the midterms coming up, yep. the elections in November. Yep. Um, how do we see it playing out? I know we have talked about it before, but of course, in the context of this, you know, Trump at crisis type of subject matter, what, how is it going to play out? Well, my guess is that um, Trump is mobilising his supporters and is saying, in effect, this is not just midterm elections, this is a presidential re-election campaign. Because... If the Democrats do well, what's called a blue wave, so very confusing in American politics, red is the colour for the Republicans, and we talk about red states, the Democrats have blue. So we're talking about a blue wave, you know, angry women, angry Latinos, etc., angry people of colour. They would uh, they would end up getting people elected into the House of Representatives. Um, one of them really is impressive in New York, um, is a, a woman called Cortez. Um, she, uh, Alexandria Kathia Cortez uh, from New York, she's bound to get in. In fact, her Republican challenger has pretty well stopped campaigning because he says it's inevitable. But she represents the new face of the Democrat Party. In other words, really left-wing people. She is, if you like, a political daughter of Senator Sanders. So it's a cleaning out of all that Clinton dynasty. Um, and you've got a whole new radicalised Democrat Party and young people. Remember, young people didn't vote back in 2016. Um, and of the women who voted, the white women who voted, 53% voted for Trump, despite his appalling behaviour towards women, because they didn't like Mrs Clinton. But now, you see, you've got this new groundswell of feeling. And so the Democrats are getting mobilised, and Trump is saying, well, look at what the Democrats are doing. If I'm going to stay in office for my last two years and able to continue to do well, remember he thinks he's doing well, then he's got to get his own base out to vote. Mm. What This is a case of watch this space, Keith, because we're Absolutely. going to continue talking about this <laughs> in the next few weeks, including next week when we're going to talk about Steve Bannon, yep. who is uh, key in the Trump campaign. Uh, stand by for that one. This has been Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. It's recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Producer is me, Kate Mack. Production assistance by Liv Proud. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And for more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.